All right. Hello. How are we? We good? All right, good. Hey, uh, so if you're relatively new here, like you started attending in the last nine weeks, then you have absolutely no clue who I am. So if that's you, hello. Nice to meet you. I'm glad you're here. My name is Ben Foote. I'm the teaching pastor here. And so you'll see me regularly up here teaching. Uh, For the rest of you who are like, where have you been and did you die? Um, Let me kind of explain what I've been up to. All right. So during the course of Jim's six month sabbatical, I was on a team of staff members who were responsible for planning out all the series and responsible for all the teaching, all that. It was a challenge, but it was an awesome one. All right. Like, I'm very glad, very glad Jim is back. At the same time, I had a blast with you for six months. So thanks for putting up with me. Um, Yeah, uh, but also at the same time, it was out of the blue. Like I didn't see it coming. It was pretty tiring. And so when Jim got back from sabbatical, he was like, hey, I want to give you a break from teaching, give you some time to rest and recuperate. And so I did. Um, And I've had a chance to hang out with my family, Allie and my kids uh, more than usual. I've had less responsibilities on my plate, all that stuff. I feel rested. Um, I got to do some cool stuff. Uh, One of the cooler things was Christmas services. Um, I was able to visit every single campus for one of the services, which I've never been able to do in a single weekend. That was awesome. I got to have lots of great conversations with different people at different campuses. I enjoyed that. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed it, even though like 90% of those conversations began with the other person saying something like, wow, you look so much taller on the screen. So translation, wow, you're short. Uh, To which I reply, yeah, I'm short, but at least I have hair. (laughs) Unlike some of the other guys you see. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I I had a great chance to rest. I'm ready for the new year. I'm very glad to be back up here. Um, But today I want to start by telling you about by far the most interesting thing that happened to my family since the last time I've been up here on the stage. I want to tell the story because I think it's going to make a good metaphor uh, for this new series we're in called Pieces. All right, so this happened on Christmas Day. Right? And on Christmas Day, Allie and, and, and I and the kids, and then my sister Katie and her husband Nick and their two kids, we all descended on my parents' house uh, for Christmas Day. We did the whole bit, right? We opened presents and we listened to Christmas music and we ate a honey-baked ham and we were filled with good tidings of great joy and all the Christmas stuff. And then later in the afternoon, all of the kids got restless. And so me and my dad and Nick, we took them all to the park in the neighborhood, Right, now, my brother-in-law, Nick, who's a very good friend of mine, he had just gotten a skateboard from a coworker for Christmas. And Nick can like skate skate. He can do tricks and all that stuff, but he hadn't owned a board in a while, and so he brought it to the park. And it began with all the kids kind of playing on the playground equipment, but eventually they all, of course, want to turn on Nick's skateboard. And so Nick is in like full-blown superstar uncle mode, right? He's pushing him around on the skateboard. They all think he's the coolest guy ever. All is well. Right, all is well until Nick and Micah decide to begin riding the skateboard together at the same time. All right, let me explain how this works. So Nick would hold Micah by the wrist, so Micah's got his arms up, and Nick would pick him up into the air. It sounds so stupid when I explain it. would pick him up into the air and kick to get started, and then he would plant on the board and then plant Micah in between his feet on the skateboard. And they would cruise up and down the street like this. You know, not fast, they're going like three miles an hour, right? I'm watching it, and Micah's absolutely loving it. Got a huge smile on his face, and I actually had the distinct thought in my head of like, this is a cool uncle moment. Like, Micah's gonna remember this for a really long time. And right when I had that thought, Nick and Micah hit a crack in the street, and they both went flying. My second thought was, Micah's going to remember this for a long time. (laughs) 
Now, if you were to watch them fall in slow motion, you would see Nick go into instinct hero mode. Because remember, he's holding Micah by the wrist, but he doesn't want to land and fall on Micah. And so midair, Nick kind of throws Micah out of the way and rolls to the side to avoid landing on him. The result is that Micah lands face first on the concrete and, <laughs> and Nick lands hip first on the concrete. All right, time out. There is something that you have to understand about my family in order to fully appreciate this story, okay? So my family, the extended foot family, when it comes to physical pain, we're not good at sympathy, all right? This is a fault of ours. We tend to deny, deny, deny pain in ourselves and in other people. On top of that, whenever we get hurt, we all convince ourselves we're qualified medical doctors, like immediately. Um, example of this is one time growing up, I, I got stitches under my chin. And then a few days later, I, I bust the stitches open again. And rather than take me to a hospital, my dad just threw on latex gloves and went to town. He like poked and prodded and shot water in there and, and it tightened the existing stitches, added butterfly stitch. It's the reason I still can't grow a beard under here, all right? Doesn't, however, explain why I can't grow a beard anywhere else. Uh, <laughs> but under my chin, I blame the stitches. Um, Anyway, we, we've all had families like this. We know what this is like. Some of us grew up that way. You know, phrases like just walk it off and, and phrases like it's not that bad. That's the kind of tender, loving care that I grew up with. And I'm not proud of it, but that's still how I tend to approach pain in my life and in the life of my family. So now back to Nick and Micah and the skateboard. I run over to Micah, who's losing his mind. I pick him up, and immediately I see the poor dude has like road rash just all down his face, <laughs> on his forehead, on his nose. Um, I notice his lip the most because there's a lot of blood on his lip, all right? So what am I thinking in my head? I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably stitches on the lip. But what am I saying out loud? I'm going, come on, bud, you're good, right? It's not that bad, right? We're just gonna walk it off. And so I pick him up and I'm carrying him inside to clean him up. He's bleeding all over my coat. And that's when for the first time through sobs, he says, dad, I can't feel my arm. Now, what am I thinking in my head? Thinking that's definitely not normal to not feel your arm, right? But at the same time, I don't see bones sticking out of his flesh. And so what am I saying out loud? I'm like, bud, you're good, right? Your arm is fine. It's not that bad. Let's walk it off. We get into the house. We clean up Micah's face. The good news is his lip was fine, right? Uh, it wasn't blood from his lip. It just happened to be blood from the rest of his face <laughs> that I kind of collected there. Um, but he's still complaining about his arm. And so the whole foot family becomes doctors immediately, right? There's seriously four of us going like, does this hurt? And he's like, yes. Does this hurt? Yes. Does this hurt? Yes. We do this for a few minutes until my sister Katie finally goes, Hey, where's Nick? <laughs> this is when my dad and I sheepishly are like, uh, we left him in the street. <laughs> now, why did we live, leave Nick in the street? It's because Nick's an adult, right? Nick knows it's not that bad, and Nick can just walk it off, right? <laughs> Which, by the way, Nick actually tried to do. He had picked himself up off the ground, probably telling himself just to walk it off. He had shamefully put his skateboard back in his car, telling himself to walk it off. And at this point, he's hobbling back inside the house. He's trying to walk it off. And in fact, Nick actually continued trying to walk it off until he literally couldn't walk anymore. And so after a few hours of this, we decide to make individual foot family trips to urgent care on Christmas Day, all right? And to make a long story a little less longish, Micah ended up with a broken arm, all right? That's, I think we have a picture of him. There he is. Now look how tough he's being. Uh, 
He's so bummed though, because two days he's supposed to get this cast off and the doctor x-rayed it. It was like, nope, not yet. Super bummed. Um, But so Michael wound up with a broken arm and then Nick discovered, drum roll, that he had broken his femur. (laughs) Which I'm laughing about still, which makes me a sick person. (laughs) It's just funny because my family was essentially telling Nick and Nick was essentially telling himself to walk off a broken femur. Right? That's how my family operates. This is one of the reasons why I regularly see a counselor. Um, <laughs> let me tie this story into what we're talking about. All right? The point of the story is this. Nick, let's use Nick as an example. Nick had two options for how to live his life after he injured himself. All right? Two deals on the table. The first deal is he could just try walking it off and get worse. Right? He could have kept telling himself, like, it's not that bad, it's not that bad, just walk it off, it'll get better with time. And I guess technically he could have done that for the rest of his life. But guess what? He would wind up crippled and in chronic pain. And so Nick took the other option on the table, which is he could just go to the doctor and get better. Right? He, could, he could suck up his sense of pride or a sense of toughness or whatever and just go to the hospital. Nick chose to take the broken pieces of his femur to a doctor. to a specialist who knows what a femur looks like when it's whole and unbroken and knows what a femur looks like when it's in pieces and knows how to put the thing together again, Nick chose to say, you know what? I'm not gonna walk this one off and I don't know how to fix myself, so I'm going to take myself to someone who does. That's the wise choice. And guess what? He got better. But see, the silver lining of having a broken bone is that you can go to a doctor and they can fix it. Right? Like when when you break a bone, you know there's a plan, there's a path forward, there's a chance out there that exists for you to get better. My question for us today is simply what do we do with the parts of our lives that are broken into pieces and a trip to the ER ain't gonna fix it? Right? We know where to go when we're broken physically. Where do we go when we're broken spiritually? What do I mean by broken spiritually? I mean, for example, what do we do if we've got a broken heart? Right? A lot of us have broken hearts. You know, some of us, our hearts were broken maybe when we were younger by someone we thought we could trust and they hurt us or they left us. Some of us got broken hearts from a failed marriage or maybe a few of them. How do we fix that? How does a broken heart get fixed? What do we do if our our minds feel constantly divided and split and erratic and broken? Kind of like that, that John Mayer song that the band just played. What do we do if we're divided? You know, a part of me logically wants to stay married and then a part of me wants to keep my options open. It feels safe. And a part of me wants to get well again, and then a part of me feels comfort in the addiction. And part of me wants to be patient and present with my kids, and then part of me just wants to get in the van and leave. How does that get fixed? How does a divided mind get healed? What do we do if we got crushed spirits? A lot of us have crushed spirits. You know, maybe you just went through a string of job interviews that all end in practically the same phone call, right? You know, we decided to go with someone else. Or every single time you crawl out of the red in your budget, there's another medical bill you gotta put on the credit card. It's like there's no light at the end of the tunnel like we talked about a few weeks ago. Life feels like it's just wake up, feed the kids, take them to school, go to work, pick them up, feed the kids, go to bed over and over and over again. It feels defeating. How do you fix that? How does a crushed spirit get fixed? I mean, seriously, like, where is the hospital filled with doctors who can fix broken spiritual parts of our lives? Where is the hospital where you can go to the front desk and you can talk to the receptionist and just go, I don't know. Like, I I don't know. I just feel like my life is in pieces. I feel claustrophobic and despairing and abandoned and confused and crushed. Where can you do that? You know what's going to happen if you head down to Kaiser? 
after this or, or any hospital and go to the front desk and say that, they're gonna stare at you for a long time, right? And then finally, they're gonna go, I'm sorry, sir, what hurts? And if you're honest with them and you're gonna, you go, my soul hurts, then they're gonna go, great, right this way, we've got some padded rooms over here, right? <laughs> We're not dumb, we're not dumb. We know there's no vaccine, there's no cast, there's no surgery out there for the parts of us that are broken spiritually, broken hearts and divided minds and crushed spirits. When we're physically broken, we know to go to the hospital. When we're spiritually broken, we don't know where to go. And so what do we do instead? Well, typically, we pull a foot family classic and we deny, deny, deny the pain and we tell ourselves to just walk it off. I mean, doesn't that des describe the way most of us have approached the spiritually broken parts of our lives? Just walk it off. It's what we tell ourselves, right? You know, maybe I can just tough this out for the rest of my life. Or maybe this is just a season. You know, it's been a 20-year-long season, but maybe it'll be over soon, and maybe it'll just get better on its own over time. We don't know how to fix the spiritually broken parts of our lives. And so we say to ourselves, we, we tell ourselves stuff like, yeah, I'm in a loveless marriage, but maybe I can just tough it out, at least until the kids are out of the house. Right, maybe I can just walk it off without walking out on her. But isn't it possible, my question is, is it possible that continuing to walk it off like that will leave us with crippled hearts, crippled joy? Could we cripple our kids' hearts and cripple our kids' future relationships? If we keep saying to ourselves, you know, I feel crushed and defeated, I can't even point to really one specific reason why, but maybe tomorrow it'll get better. And then tomorrow shows up, it's not better. So what do you tell yourself? Oh, maybe it'll get better the next day. Just on and on and on. If we keep walking it off that way, isn't it possible we could cripple our spirits and cripple our sense of hope in this world? My question is, is it possible that there are broken parts of our lives that just won't get better with time? Is it possible that time actually doesn't heal all wounds? And is it possible that the longer we try to walk it off, the higher the chance that we'll just wind up crippled spiritually? And if that's possible, the big question is, when our life is in pieces, is there a better option out there other than just walking it off and just hoping we get magically fixed over time? Now, of course, I think that there is a better option out there. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about throughout this series that we've called Pieces. What do we do with our broken hearts and our divided minds and our crushed spirits? And to do that, every single week, we're gonna keep coming back to this one thing that Jesus said in one of his biographies written by a guy named, named Mark. And since today is just kind of introduction to the series, I want to introduce you to this thing that Jesus says. All right, so this is in Mark 12. And here's kind of the setting of what's going on. So Jesus is hanging out in the temple courts. That's the ancient equivalent of basically hanging out in the lobby here at Flatirons. And he's talking with people, he's teaching, and he gets this group of super religious dudes to surround him and they've, they've huddled around him and they're asking him weird kind of pointless questions. All right, one of them is like, Jesus, who should we pay taxes to? And another guy's like, Jesus, who will I be married to in heaven? Basically, they're like in the theological weeds, right? But Jesus is patient with them and, and he's answering their questions until this other dude shows up and he interrupts the debate. And that's where we're gonna pick up right now. So this is Mark 12, 28. It says, one of the teachers of the law came, this guy who's gonna interrupt, and he heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he's got great answers for all of their strange questions, this dude interrupts and he asks Jesus, he says, of all the commandments, which is the most important? All right, now I think that this dude, I like to think this guy would fit in really well at Flatirons. 
Because what he does is he interrupts the theological debate and he goes up to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, I can tell there's something special about you. I can tell there's something different about you. So can we just take a break from all this theological stuff about taxes and can we just get to the good stuff? Jesus, please tell me, what is the most important thing I could be doing with my life? Uh, that's what we're trying to do every single week here at Flatirons. We're trying to go, hey, can we just, can we put aside the pointless BS that ch- churches tend to argue about, and can we just get to the good stuff? Can we just talk about who is Jesus and what does he want for our lives? That's what this guy is doing right now. And so he says, Jesus, what's the most important thing I could be doing with my life? And here's how Jesus answers, and this is the scripture that we're going to keep coming back to week after week. So Jesus answers, and he says this. He goes, the most important one The most important thing you could be doing with your life is this. And then he quotes the Old Testament. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, since we'll keep coming back to this verse week after week, right now I just want to pull out two important words from those verses and make sure that we understand them. It'll just take a minute. Let's start with the first one. All right, so Jesus says the most important thing you and I could be doing with our life begins with understanding and remembering that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's one. What does that mean? Well, well, last week, Jim ended his sermon by talking about the biblical idea of peace. And he explained that the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And shalom means so much more than our English word for peace. It means more than just the absence of conflict and the absence of of war. The biblical understanding of peace means complete and whole and unbroken. And when Jesus says the Lord is one, the word one is the same idea. God is peace, meaning God is complete. God is whole. God is not in a million pieces. So the first thing Jesus says is we should remember that God is in one piece, all right? He's not broken, and so we can rely on him. And then because of that, Jesus tells us to do something. He says to love. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And again, our English word for love can mean a million different things. Usually we think of feelings, right? Like warm, fuzzy feelings. But in the Greek, the word love is an action. It's something that you go and do. And specifically in this verse, the action is, think military, to willingly give yourself over to someone superior to you, in this case, God. So at the risk of of losing you to a potentially boring Greek word study, let me paraphrase what Jesus just said in Ben terms. Right, remember, this flat ironsy dude comes up and he says, what is the most important thing I could be doing with my life? And Jesus' answer is, God is in one piece, so give him all your broken pieces. See, what Jesus is claiming right here is that God is actually the doctor who can fix the spiritually broken parts of our lives. Why? How is that possible? Well, it's because God, for example, knows what a heart looks like when it's whole and complete, because God's heart is whole and complete, and God knows what it looks like when your heart is in pieces, and God knows how to put the thing back together again, and so Jesus says God is in one piece, so give him all your broken pieces, and according to Jesus, that is the number one thing you and I could be doing with our lives, giving our broken pieces to a God who is in one piece, and I'll bet that if I were to ask every single one of you individually, what is the number one thing you feel like is missing from your life right now? Or or what is the number one thing you want in your life right now? We would give a thousand different answers, and I bet that all of those answers could be summed up by one thing. We wanna be in one piece. Don't wanna be in pieces. 
Meaning if I were to ask you, what's the number one thing you want right now? You might answer like, I just want my kids to behave and get along. Right, of course. Because when they don't, it divides your family into competing teams. And we want our families to be on the same page, on the same wavelength. We want our families to be in one piece. Some of us might say like, I just want confidence. Right, of course you do. Right? Because without it, we feel like we don't know who we were created to be. We feel like we gotta be different people around different groups of people. We got all these masks, masks we gotta wear. I don't wanna wear any masks, right? I wanna be one person. I wanna be myself. I wanna be in one piece. See, in the end, whether you're walking through something huge and traumatic, like divorce, cancer, bankruptcy, fill in the blank, or if you're walking through some of the seemingly more mundane and routine, lack of joy, lack of hope, lack of identity, fill in the blank. At the end of the day, I think that all of us can agree that this life would be so much more fulfilling if we felt like we were in one piece, if we felt like we were complete and whole and unbroken and undivided. And in this verse, Jesus says, yes, you're right. Yes, this life would be much more fulfilling if all of our broken pieces were put back together again, if we were in one piece. And not only that, but Jesus is also audacious enough to claim that he can do that for us, which is why he says, God is in one piece, so give him all your broken pieces. And so that's what we're gonna tackle throughout the series. All right, that's kind of the, the overview right now, but then over the next few weeks, we're gonna dig into specifics and we're gonna get really practical, all right? So how, specifically and practically, how can God fix our broken hearts and spirits and minds and strength? We're gonna dig into each one of those over the next few weeks. But just so you know where we're headed over the course of the series, let me just say this on week one, all right? This series is for anyone who can look at a part of our life, the spiritual stuff, our, our joy, our, our hope, our marriage, our our confidence, our parenting, our addictions, our hearts and spirits and minds. It's for anyone who feels broken in some way and you've tried everything else, right? You've read all the self-help books that were recommended to you. You've listened to all the podcasts and TED Talks and sermons like this one. The series is for those of us who have done everything we know to do to fix a broken part of our lives. It just hasn't worked. And so we're at a loss, we're at a loss as to what to do next. If that's you, Jesus is for you. He's not against you. And so is this series. The series is for you and not against you. For now, though, let me throw out a suggestion for where I think we should start, all right? If we want to lean into this series and if we want a shot at Jesus putting us back together into one piece, I think we should start at the same place we started with Micah on Christmas Day, the same place that Nick started with himself on Christmas Day in order to get better, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that I believe the starting place for healing every single time is we gotta stop walking it off. See, Nick had to eventually come to the conclusion that his leg wasn't gonna get better on its own and he wasn't gonna be able to tough that one out. He wasn't gonna be able to walk it off and so he went to the doctor. And Jesus actually says in a different part of the Bible that we all have to begin at the same starting place when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. So anytime you want to substantially grow in a relationship with Jesus, it's always the same starting place. One time this guy comes up and he asks Jesus, he goes, why do you hang out with all these broken, screwed up, messy people? And Jesus' response was, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus says, I'm here for broken people. I am here for people who admit that they're in pieces. Listen, you can't go to the doctor until you admit that you're sick. 
And in the same way, you can't really approach Jesus until you admit that you're in pieces. In other words, we gotta stop walking it off. We gotta stop telling ourselves, you know, it's not that bad, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. Why should we stop telling ourselves that? Because yeah, actually it is that bad, right? You got a broken heart. Your spirit is crushed. What are you gonna do about that? It's left you in pieces. It's not okay that it happened to you. It's okay to admit it. And the sooner we admit it, the sooner Jesus can get back to work in our lives. And so are we willing to stop walking it off? Are we willing to admit that we're in pieces? I wanna end right now with a, uh, with a story that I think shows what this could look like in our lives. So over Christmas break, Allie and the kids and I, we finally watched for the first time this Pixar movie called Inside Out. I don't know if you've heard of this movie. Okay, yeah. So if you don't know what it's about, the movie revolves around emotions, all right? There's this little girl, Riley, and her and her family move from their home to another city far, far away. And so the movie is, is Riley trying to settle into, you know, a new home and a new city and new friendships and new school, all that stuff. But most of the movie takes place in Riley's brain. Right? And in her brain, there are these five little characters that personify Riley's five main emotions, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. And so the movie revolves around these five personified characters running around the control room of Riley's brain trying to cope with the fact that for the first time in her life, Riley feels so sad about leaving her, her friends and leaving her home. Sounds like a weird plot for a movie, I know it is, uh, which is why I put off watching this movie for so long, just didn't seem very interesting to me. But we finally watched it over Christmas break and holy crap, all right? I'm not gonna spoil anything, but like no one prepared me for this movie. Like no one prepared me for how powerful it is. I'm not necessarily proud to admit it, but I can't think of any other movie I've watched that I've gotten choked up in other than Inside Out. All right, I've seen The Notebook. It's a comedy compared to Inside Out. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember how, how it came up, but actually after the movie, my daughter Emery looks at me. She goes, Dad, why don't you ever cry? And in my head, I'm like, you should have seen me 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Movie's beautiful. Uh, do yourself a, a favor, check this movie out. Anyway, after the movie is over, Allie asks the kids, she goes, which little character do you think runs your brain? And of course, she's using the metaphor of the movie to ask them, what emotion do you feel the most? And Emery pipes up immediately. And, and while literally singing and dancing in circles, she goes, joy. <laughs> and that fits Em. Like she's very imaginative and creative and she loves to laugh and make other people laugh. So it sounds right. She's very joyful, right? And then Allie asks Micah, and Micah's quiet for a minute, and then he finally speaks up, and without leaving his little sleeping bag on the floor, he just goes, um, sadness. And that just fits who Micah is. It tends to be melancholy. It's actually the reason, uh, on a good day, it's the reason for one of his greatest strengths. Like, he's incredibly compassionate. It's like he can see other people are sad, and he wants to help them. On a bad day, he's just outright sad and very grumpy. And when Micah said that, my throat got all tight again for like the second time in 20 minutes. It was a rough night. Um, I got, I, my throat got all tight again because that would be my answer. It'd be sadness. And again, on a good day, I think it's what makes me absolutely love my job because I know a lot of us are walking through stuff. It's, I feel like I can feel it with you and I want to point you to the God who has a different path for us. On a bad day, I can just be outright sad. But here's why I tell that story. Right? It's because a lot of the time, as adults, 
I actually think it starts around middle school, high school, but as adults, I think that we have convinced ourselves we have to have ourselves more figured out than we actually do. Here's what I mean. With Micah, for example, he's four, right? Micah can't play dime store psychologist with himself like we do with ourselves all the time, which means Micah can't say like, I feel sadness, but it's okay because I know where it began in my life, right? It happened long ago when I was three or whatever, right? And he can't say like, I feel sadness, but it's okay because I got the 10-step plan to a fitter, healthier, happier me. He can't do that. He's four. All he can spit out is one word, right? I feel sadness. And you know what? That's fine. Because as his dad, that's enough for me. And I'm glad he gave me that little broken piece of his life. I'm glad he entrusted that to me and to Allie. He might not ever be able to articulate anything other than I feel sad. But as his dad, that's enough for me to work with. God describes himself as a perfect dad. I don't think he would treat us any differently. I don't think God is waiting around for me to explain myself to him. Right? To go, I feel sad, but it's okay because here's why and here's the plan, so good talk. No, in fact, on the contrary, I've seen that God does some of his biggest work in my life and in the lives of people close to me when we are out of words. Right? God, I feel angry. I feel scared. I feel sad, hopeless, fill in the blank. God, I'm in pieces. I don't know what to do about it. I'm at a loss. So here I am. Can you please fix me? I think that's what it looks like to stop walking it off. It's as simple as that. Don't got to explain how you wound up broken. Don't need to know what you're going to do to fix it. The point is we can't fix it on our own. We've tried. All we need to be able to do is swallow our pride, swallow our sense of being tough and being reliable or, or whatever it is, and just admit that we're in pieces, even if we can only spit one word out. God, I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm scared. I'm hopeless. And when we do that, I believe God looks at us like a perfect dad and says, thank you for giving me that broken piece of your life. That is enough for me to work with. So what I'm gonna ask that you do right now is I'm gonna ask that you stand up. And then if you're willing, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. You don't have to, but I'm about to pray. All right, and then we're gonna sing this song about God taking our, our broken hearts and making them whole again. My question right now is just as we pray and as we sing the song and then throughout the week, would you be willing to stop walking it off? I believe it's as simple as Micah in a sleeping bag on the living room floor. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to think about the four things that Jesus said we should love God with. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Think about those four things. I want you to think about which one of those for you feels like it's in the most pieces right now. Is it your heart? Your your heart is the part of you that through thick and thin gives you your identity, right? And when it's in pieces and you're in thick and thin, you don't really know who you are anymore. Maybe it's your soul, right? Your soul is the part of you that connects, connects with God and connects with other relationships. And when it's in pieces, you tend to drift into isolation. Maybe you create codependency. Is it your mind? It's the decision-making part of your life, and when it's in pieces, it tends to spiral all the time. Maybe it's your strength, right? The strength is the part of you that gets stuff done, and when it's in pieces, tend to be controlling, or maybe you just check out. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Which one of those feels like it's in the most pieces for you right now? And then simply, how does it make you feel? In one word, angry, Sad, scared, hopeless, 
What is the piece of you that's in the most pieces and how does it make you feel? I believe it's as simple as that. And all I'm asking is that during the prayer and during the song and throughout the rest of the week, would you just think on that? Would you keep it out in front of you? Would you pay attention to it? Would you put it in front of God and ask what he wants to do about it? If you are willing to do that, you will have stopped walking it off. Then we can come back in here next week, get real practical and see if God can put us back into one piece again. God, I thank you for everyone in in this room and all of our different campuses watching online. God, I I thank you for, for everyone here right now. God, we, we all have broken parts of our lives and there's different reasons that we wound up broken, but here we are and we, we're at a loss. We don't know what to do about it anymore, but God, we're tired of walking it off and we're ready to put it in front of you and see if you can put us back into one piece again. God, you promise that a broken and contrite heart you will never despise. You have never and you will never, which means when we come to you broken and we say, I'm broken, help, you never look at us and say, just walk it off. And you never look at us and say, it's not that bad. Instead, you take those broken pieces and you say, that's enough for me to work with. And you begin putting us back together again. God, that's what we're praying for right now. I pray that that happens over the course of, your seri- of this series. And I know that it will because you're a God who keeps your promises. And most of all, God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who makes this kind of stuff possible for us. And it's in his holy name that I pray right now. Amen.